to week six of our video programs during our time of social distancing here in Virginia. Some of our church leaders have been praying and discussing how and when to move away from the recorded and the live services that you have received and to move back into public live services. That is a very difficult uh, subject to reason through from a lot of different angles, and we're praying and seeking God's direction. And I'd appreciate it if you'd pray with us that God will give us wisdom and direction as to how we can best glorify His name here from uh, Community Baptist Church in South Riding, Virginia. Hey, there's something else you can do to be of help to us. We certainly uh, value your prayers first and foremost. But something else you can do at the beginning of this program uh, would be to uh, help us reach uh, out into our community through uh, these various uh, social media and Internet platforms. If you're on our YouTube channel this morning and you have not already subscribed to it, would you uh, go ahead and subscribe to our channel today? And if you're on our Facebook page and you haven't already liked our page, why don't you reach up there and like it right now and help us to uh, move into new areas of ministry and opportunity. As a matter of fact, if you're on the Facebook page, why don't you go ahead and start a watch party? There may be some people in your friends and, and, and contact list that, uh, that would be interested in joining in and watching the program today if they knew it was happening right now. So go ahead and start that watch party and let some other folks know what's happening here at Community Baptist Church. This week we are going to be focusing on the theme of God's judgment. A couple of weeks ago I put a question out on our Facebook page asking if anyone knew in the Bible of a natural calamity that was not attributed to the judgment of God. Any natural calamity that when it happened and people interacted over that calamity, are there any examples where they did not attribute it to God? Well, we're going to be thinking about the theme of God's judgment uh, throughout all of our services and programming this week. This morning, I'm speaking on the subject, Is COVID-19 God's Judgment? And this evening, I'm going to be sharing with you some quotes from Americans of bygone generations who were going through natural calamity here in America. And I want you to see how they reacted to those calamities, how they talked to God and about God in the context of uh, natural calamities that were occurring. That'll be this evening at 6 o'clock. And then through our uh, daily devotions this week, I'm going to continue the theme of judgment, and I'm going to look at two different sections of the Word of God. The first one, we're going to consider when your world totally collapses. When your world totally collapses. We're going to look at some things from the book of Lamentations. And then we'll follow that up with, the, uh, with a, a couple of days of devotions on the subject, Heaven's Reaction to earth's destruction. And that will come from the book of Revelation. I hope you'll tune in to some of our daily devotions on our Facebook page here at Community Baptist Church. Well, certainly we are facing some difficult times in our world, right here in our own country. And in times 
like the ones that we're going through right now, we certainly need to be close to God. We need God in our lives, in our families. We need a powerful, vibrant relationship with God. I want you to listen to our choir as they sing a song. They, this was recorded, I believe, last year. A song that our choir sang entitled, In Times Like These.
when facing the judgment of God, we certainly need a Savior. God is never more important to us than when we're facing difficulty and struggles and trials in life, particularly if those trials are judgments from God. Then we certainly need God in our lives, bringing us to the place where where we can repent of our sin and live in a right relationship with Him. In times like these, we need a Savior that's close to us. This morning, I want to examine the Word of God along the, the uh, title, Is COVID-19 God's Judgment on His World? History, as recorded in the Bible, reveals a pattern of God's judgment. We can go all the way back to the first book, Genesis, that records the first death in the Garden of Eden, God's judgment because of Adam's rebellion against God. We then go to the worldwide catastrophe in Noah's day when the sin of the creation had reached the point where God wiped out the entire world and started over again with just a handful of people and animals. And then we go to the scattering of the human family across the face of the earth at the Tower of Babel as man tried to defy God there. We go to the, the plagues, the ten plagues that God brought against the land of Egypt because of their rebellion against God in the enslavement and the, uh, the treatment that they gave to Israel, God's people. We go then to the Assyrian uh, armies devastating destruction of the northern kingdom because the northern kingdom of Israel had gone into apostasy and idolatry so deeply and they had uh, ignored the warnings of God generation after generation, preacher after preacher delivering the message of God and, and yet they ignored God and finally the Assyrian army wiped out the northern kingdom. And then it was the Babylonian army under Nebuchadnezzar who finally came and brought God's judgment against the southern kingdom and and destroyed the city of Jerusalem and tore down the, the, the temple that had been built there for the worship of Jehovah God. Again, the people of Israel in the southern kingdom had gone so deeply into apostasy and had gone so deeply into idolatry. They had taken up the ways of the world around them. They worshipped the gods of the culture and they ignored the God of creation. And that preacher after preacher delivered God's warning and warned of the coming destruction and warned that they needed to repent and turn back to God, but they ignored preacher after preacher, generation after generation, until finally God sent the armies of Babylon in to destroy the southern kingdom. It was horrendous. We can then fast forward to Rome coming in in 70 A.D. and bringing the judgment of God against the nation of Israel. Only, what, 30 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus had warned Israel of that coming judgment. And he had given them opportunity to repent. But they wouldn't repent. They wouldn't listen to Jesus Christ and the other preachers that were preaching and delivering God's message. And finally, Titus, the Roman general, brought in the armies of Rome to, uh, to 
destroy Israel. It culminated with the destruction, the fall of Masada, and the destruction of Israel in Jerusalem. And the Jewish people were scattered upon the face of the earth. And then we fast forward to the last book of the Bible and we read about the Antichrist and the, the world rebellion against Israel and against Jehovah God. And how it reaches a fever pitch and the judgments of God for seven years fall upon the earth and destroy the ecology and destroy the economy, destroy Every aspect of human life, as God judges his creation for seven years, recorded in the book of Revelation, that ends with the presence of Jesus Christ coming back to earth and, and leading in the final destruction of the world by God at the end of the tribulation period followed by an amazing thousand years of peace in which Jesus Christ rules and reigns on earth. And then the creation of a new heavens and a new earth. The judgments of God are recorded throughout the Word of God, chronicling the judgment of God throughout history. All of these calamities, all of these judgments of God remind us that we need to take God seriously. The Bible actually records for us God's judgment and why he brings God's judgment and how he brings God's judgment. The Bible gives us instruction to show us how to recognize his judgments. I want to turn over to the book of Second Chronicles. We're going to jump into Bible history at a time when Solomon had built the amazing temple in Jerusalem, the first temple. It was the permanent house for the Ark of the Covenant, which had been housed in a tent since it was built and, 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 uh, and put together on Mount Sinai when Israel came out of Egypt. And for all those generations, they had housed the Ark of the Covenant, the center of their religious devotion, to Jehovah God and their worship of him, they had housed that in a tent. But now Solomon has built a permanent structure, a beautiful temple that would house uh, God's Ark of the Covenant and be the focus of the worship of God's people. After Solomon uh, built that temple, he led in a great dedication service to dedicate that temple for, uh, to God and for his honor and for his glory. And in that dedication service, Solomon prayed to God. He prayed a, a prayer of dedication. I want to just jump through Second Chronicles chapter 6 and read to you some of the phrases that, uh, that appear in this prayer that Solomon prayed uh, to God regarding the people of God there at the temple. Let me begin reading in chapter 6, verse number 12. And he stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands and said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like unto thee in heaven or in earth which keepest covenant and showest mercy unto thy servants that walk before thee since with all their hearts. 
thou hast kept with thy servant David my father that which thou hast promised him, which and and uh, spakest with thy mouth, and hast fulfilled it with thine hand as it is this day. He prays to God about dwelling in the temple with man. And then he begins to pray in this way. But will God in very deed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house which I have built. Hearken unto the prayer which thy servant prayeth toward this place. Hearken, therefore, unto the supplications of thy servant of thy people Israel. Hear thou from thy dwelling place, even from heaven. If a man sin against his neighbor and prays, then hear thou from heaven and do and judge thy servant. And if thy people Israel be put to the worst before the enemy, and then pray. Then hear thou from the heavens and forgive the sin of thy people Israel. Yet if they pray, if they pray towards this place, then hear from heaven. If there be dearth in the land, if there be pestilence, blasting, mildew, and then what prayer or what supplication soever shall be made of any man. Then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place. Moreover, concerning the stranger which is not of thy people Israel, if they come and pray, then hear. If thy people, then hear. If they sin against thee and then pray, then hear. Now, my God... Let I beseech thee, thine eyes be open, and let thine ears be attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now, that's just a smattering of verses, but I want you to notice Solomon is praying and saying, God, if anything bad happens to us, if, if, if we sin... If, if we do wrong, but, but if we pray, if we come into this house, if we come to this place and pray, God, would you hear our prayer? Would, would you come and intervene in the situation? Would you bring deliverance in the situation? If we pray, will you hear and answer our prayers? And that's what Solomon prayed to God in his dedication prayer, wanting God's promise of his presence and his answer to prayer. Well, after Solomon prayed that prayer, the Bible says that God heard that prayer. God accepted that prayer. In chapter 7 and verse 1, the Bible says, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, then fire came down from heaven. I, I read that how the glory of the Lord filled the house. God had accepted uh, Solomon's prayer and his honor of God. And he began to answer the prayer. In verse number 12, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. God said, I've heard what you prayed, Solomon. I'm going to answer your prayer. But I want you to understand some things 
about how I'm going to answer the prayer and, and what's going to be involved in my answer to prayer. I want you to understand that there will come times when sin brings judgment, when your sin and the nation's sin brings my judgment upon you. So I want you to understand how to recognize and know that I am bringing my judgment upon your nation. And so he said this, If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, a drought, a natural disaster that would break the agricultural back of the country, an agrarian society living off the land. If you see an extended drought and... If I command the locusts to devour the land, locusts that would come in and would, would strip the land of its greenery, would eat their crops, the leaves off their trees. God says, if I break the back of your economy by breaking your food supply, by destroying your ability to live off the land, if I stop the rain, if I send the locusts, if I break your economy and your ability to survive off the land. And then he added something else. Or if I send pestilence among thy people. What is pestilence? Pestilence is a disease. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a, a, a plague that comes upon the people that spreads through the populace of the people. Called a pestilence in the Bible. If I send a pestilence and destroy your bodily health, if I send a plague that, that causes you to lose your health and for multitudes of you to die, if, if I break your economy, if I break your food supply, if I break your ability to earn, to buy, to sell, to live economically in your country, if I bring that which will break your bodily health, if you experience pestilence, if you experience a plague in your land. So notice, God is telling Solomon, here's how to recognize that my judgment is upon you. Here's how to recognize my hand in your life. If I do these things as God, if I send you a drought, if I send you locusts, if I send you pestilence, you'll know that I am judging you because of the sin of your people. And then God tells Solomon how to bring an end to God's judgment. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Humility is the, the first step in being able to end the judgment of God. When God's people come to the point where they humble themselves before God, where they, don't, where they stop blaming God, where they stop blaming government, when they look at themselves and say, I am the problem. It's my sin that's brought the judgment of God. It's my sin and rebellion that's resulted in the hand of God against us. Judgment comes because of the sin of a people. 
And so the first step in ending the judgment is personal humility. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. The second step is prayer. When God's people become humble and look at themselves and look at their own lives and say, I am the problem, I am the issue, and they begin to pray to God. And then there's a third step. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. If my people which will begin to seek me, will begin to hunger for me, will begin to want to know me more deeply, will turn off the Netflix and the binge watching of TV and get on their face and seek my face, in humility and prayer, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And there's another step, a fourth and final step, and turn from their wicked ways, repent of their sin, and be done with their sin. Turn away from their sin. Be done with a life of rebellion against God. This is God's explanation to Solomon how to end the judgment of God when God is sending judgment upon his people. Now, this is powerful. The Bible gives us a record of God judging his creation from Genesis to Revelation. He virtually always uses... Uh, natural disasters and calamities that break the economy and the bodily health of people. And over and over and over again through the history of the Bible, we're reminded that God is a God that can only be pushed so far. And then he deals with his people in judgment. And that judgment is seen in the natural disasters that cause economic and physical loss of life and loss of health and well-being. And God prescribes the remedy for that. The remedy for that is to become humble before God. To admit, I'm the problem. It's me, God. And then pray and seek God's face. And be done with my sin. Repent in sorrow that I've offended a holy God. That my actions and, and my thought life and, my, and, and what I do with my life, that my life is in rebellion against the holiness of my Creator. And when I humble myself and pray and seek my face and I'm done with sin, then God promises something. God says, then will I hear from heaven. Solomon had, had prayed and he said, God, when, when bad things happen and we pray, would you hear us from heaven? You're way up there in heaven. Would you hear us while we pray from way up there in heaven? And God said to Solomon, yes, I will. I, I, will, I will hear if you humble yourselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from your wicked ways, then yes, I'll hear. I'll hear from way up here in heaven, and I will forgive your sin. That's the problem. The problem is not a virus. The problem is sin. 
The problem is not a drought. The problem is sin. The problem is not a locust plague. The problem is sin. And God said, I bring natural disaster to bear in my created world to deal with you over your sin. And the remedy is humility, prayer, seeking God's face, and being done with sin. And when we do that, then God says, I'll hear your prayer. Now, that prayer I'll hear. A prayer from a broken heart that is turned away from sin. I'll hear that prayer. And I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And that's what we desire. God to heal our land. God heal our country. God heal us from the devastating impact of your judgment. God, would you heal your land? And God says, I'll hear that prayer. I'll forgive your sin, and I'll heal the land. When you come to me with that kind of a heart. You know, 9-11 hit America nearly 20 years ago. September the 1st, uh, two, uh, September 11th, I'm sorry, 2001. On a Tuesday, uh, 9-11 struck America. And God got the attention of America. Churches were filled. People were begging God for mercy. There was a recognition of God's judgment upon our wayward country. That was almost 20 years ago. I want to ask you the question, has America walked with God since that judgment? Have we seen America repent, the people of America? You as an individual, have we seen people living in a revival spirit of hunger for God since the judgment of 9-11. You know, there was a preacher who lived before the final destruction of the southern kingdom when Nebuchadnezzar brought the Babylonian armies over to Israel and devastated the land. There was a preacher by the name of Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a preacher that uh, was very confused. He was living close to the time of the judgment of God of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian armies. And he was confused. And, and his, his dialogue with God is recorded in the book that bears his name. The Bible says, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Now listen to Habakkuk's prayer to God. O Lord... How long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out to thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. The preacher was confused because he said, God, how long do you allow me to see the atrocities committed in my country and nothing's done? God, how long do I have to see the rebellion and the sin and you don't do anything? How long do you allow me to see violence? How many years do we have to read the statistics of the millions of babies murdered in our land? 
How many times do we have to pray for, a re, to, for, for the solving of the atrocity of the murder of our unborn, and yet nothing seems to happen? Uh, people even catch Planned Parenthood breaking the law, and who gets sued? The ones who caught them breaking the law. Do they get in trouble for breaking the law? No. How long do we have to view violence? How long do we have to view the atrocity of our country's behavior and nothing happens? He went on to say, therefore the law is slack. Our laws aren't applied equally. Some people can do all kinds of things and get by with it. Other people can do something trivial and end up in jail. The law is slacked. Judgment doth never go forth. Where is justice, God? Where is right judgment, God? Why do we live year after year in sin and rebellion against you, against your holiness, against your law, and yet you do nothing, God? The law is slacked. Judgment doth never go forth. The wicked compass about the righteous, and wrong judgment proceedeth. God, I'm confused. Why don't you do something? Why don't you answer our prayers? Judge our nation. Bring an end to our rebellion. And then God interrupted him. God said, Habakkuk, behold ye among the heathen and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. For I raise up the Chaldeans, the Babylonian army under Nebuchadnezzar, that Bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land of Israel to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. God said, Habakkuk, hold on to your seat. Because I, you're confused that I'm not doing anything, but I'm about to do something, and it's going to happen in your lifetime. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the Babylonian army... That would be modern-day Iraq. And I'm going to bring the Babylonian army to come marching through the land of Israel. And I'm going to destroy Israel using that bitter, that nation of Babylon to bring my judgment against Israel. And it's going to happen in your lifetime, Habakkuk. You're going to see it. And it's going to be of a nature that if I told you the details, you wouldn't believe it. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen in your lifetime. And you're going to see it. Habakkuk. This was 600 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And God told Habakkuk that he was getting ready to judge Israel. Habakkuk was confused because he didn't see God doing anything. He just saw wrong year after year. And nobody seems to be doing anything about it. We talk about it, we pray about it, but it seems like nothing happens. And then God said, Habakkuk, hold on to your seat. It's about to happen. You know, who would have believed three months ago? In January. Who would have believed in January that in just three months 
America's economy that was humming along with such power and economic strength. Who would have believed that in three months our entire economy would be on the verge of collapse? Three months ago, who would have believed that people in America would be ordered by the government, don't leave your home unless it's for these essential purposes? Three months ago, who would have believed that churches across America would end their church services and not meet? Who would have believed that in some states, churches would be labeled non-essential, the worship of the holy Creator God of the universe, the worship and obedience to that God would be considered non-essential, while clinics that murder babies are deemed essential and must continue to operate, where legal recreational drug store, drug stores where drugs, legal recreational drugs are sold, are considered essential. So you can go and buy your liquor, buy your alcohol, buy your recreational drugs. That's essential to your life. But going to church is not essential. Worshiping the Creator, congregated with the people of God, is not essential. Who would have believed that we would be in this state three months ago? Can you not see that God is judging this world God judges the world because of sin. God judges America because of sin. The sin of abortion. The sin of immorality that has become legalized in America. Perversion of all sorts. God judges sin. The sin of pornography. How much time have the people of America spent on their face before God in humility, praying and seeking His face, begging for forgiveness to avert the judgment of God that has totally changed our way of life in such a short period of time? And compare that number to the number of people who are binge-watching Netflix who are binge-watching pornography, who are living in the lusts of their own flesh, waiting for the government to do something about this, waiting for the medical profession to do something about this, when the solution is spiritual, not political or economic or medical. Where is the heart cry of America for forgiveness from God. Three years before 9-11 struck here in America, a preacher was asked to open the Kansas State Senate in prayer for that session. And so the preacher went to the podium in the Kansas Senate in 1998, and he prayed. I want to read to you the prayer that he prayed. Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask your forgiveness and seek your direction and guidance. We know your word says, woe unto those that call evil good. But that's exactly what we have done. We have lost our spiritual equilibrium and inverted our values. 
we confess that we have ridiculed the absolute truth of your word and called it pluralism. We have worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We have endorsed perversion and call it an alternate lifestyle. We have exploited the poor and we call it the lottery. We have neglected the needy and called it self-preservation. We have rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We have killed our unborn and called it choice. We have shot abortionists and called it justified. We have neglected to discipline our children and called it building their self-esteem. We have abused power and called it political savvy. We have coveted our neighbor's possessions and called it ambition. We have polluted the air with profanity and pornography and called it freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. Cleanse us from every sin and set us free. Guide and bless these men and women who have been sent here by the people of Kansas and who have been ordained by you to govern this great state. Grant them the wisdom to rule and may their decisions direct us to the center of your will. I ask it in the name of your Son, the living Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, that was 1998, just about three years before 9-11 struck. I wonder if the senators in the state legislature of Kansas did what our forefathers did in such situations in our heritage as a country where smitten with conviction they fell on their faces before God and began to cry out and plead to God for mercy, for forgiveness, for a, a, a taking away of his hand of judgment. I wonder if those senators reacted the way our senators and government officials of our heritage in America reacted to such contemplation from a man of God. No, they did not. As a matter of fact, several of the senators, several of the legislators got up and stormed out of the chamber in the middle of the prayer. Sin is the problem, not COVID-19. COVID-19 is merely the judgment because of the problem. And the answer, the answer is humility and prayer. And seeking the face of God and being done with sin in our lives. That we might avert the judgment of God upon our country. You know, preachers across America have preached about sin. And called America to repentance for our national sins, our personal sins. America's hope 
is not found in fearing a virus. America's hope is found in fearing God. And preachers are calling on saved people to humble themselves and seek the face of God and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Preachers are calling on unsaved people to repent of their life of sin and to recognize that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. We just celebrated it just a few weeks ago on Good Friday. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary for your sin. Voluntarily laid his life down and paid the penalty. The Bible says he became sin. That you, the sinner, might be made righteous. And calls upon you to repent of your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Preachers calling upon Christian people to repent and get right with God. Unsaved people to repent and get saved. Our hope is in coming under the fear of God and dealing with our own relationship with Him. This past Thursday, I was in a webcast with a number of pastors from here in the United States and a preacher who was also an attorney, David Gibbs, highly respected in the Christian community as a defender of churches against um, the attacks of the liberals who want to destroy churches. David Gibbs, in meeting with the pastors, shared that, that he had been sharing with people these last couple weeks in places where he's preaching and people he's talking with. And he told the pastors what he had been telling people about how to live in this current time. He said, these are unique days. And in these unique days, we as Christian people must be the people who give thanks to God and show the joy of our lives in a relationship with Christ. If you're in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, you can be thankful to God because you're not part of the problem. And you can be joyous in God because you enjoy the peace of God in your life because you are at peace with God. And you cannot have the peace of God if you're not at peace with God. So David Gibbs says he's sharing regularly the importance of being a people who are right with God. And because of that, we're thankful and joyful people. We're not afraid of the virus. We're afraid of God. And we're living in right relationship with Him. And therefore, we are thankful and we are joyous in our God. He said, a second thing I'm encouraging people is like never before, we need to fervently pray. The people of God need to be on their faces before God. We need to pray for revival like we've never prayed before. We need to go to God like Habakkuk went to God and say, God, I'm confused. Why don't you do something? God, we need you. We need revival in our, in our country. And he said, there's a third thing I'm recommending for people to do. Not only do are we to live in a right relationship with God so we can be thankful and joyous, not only are we to be fervently in prayer for our country, but we need to be witnessing to people who are lost. People are listening. People are wondering. You may be watching this program today. 
This whole situation of COVID-19 may have gotten your attention. You may have happened upon this program today on this Sunday morning. Dear friend, if you're not saved, you need to understand that God is judging the sins of America. And this judgment is, is mild compared to the eternal judgment facing those whose lives are caught up in the tangled web of sin. But Jesus Christ died for you. He wants to save you from your sin. He wants to make you a part of his family so that you can live with his peace on earth and you can live with his peace in heaven forever. And if you've never been saved and you know that you're a sinner under the judgment of God, you need to know that the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you call out to God from a broken heart, a contrite spirit, if you call out to God and say, Oh God, I'm a sinner. I'm on my way to hell. I'm getting what I deserve. But oh God, I believe that Jesus died for me. Would you save me from my sin? The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh dear friend, God wants to save you from your sin. And judgment is sent to get the attention of sinners so that they will seek God and find forgiveness for their sin. That's our hope. The problem is not a virus. The problem is sin. The solution is not medical and political. The solution is spiritual. If there's any organization on the face of the earth that's essential... It's the churches that preach the Word of God. They are essential because they're the ones calling America to repent of her sin so that they can have the peace of God in their lives, having been brought into a peace with God by being saved. Dear friend, that's our heart's desire for you. And I appreciate you watching the program today. And I pray that the Spirit of God will get a hold of your heart if you're saved, that you'll humble yourselves and pray and seek your face, seek God's face, and turn from any wicked way that might be in your life right now that's robbing you of the peace of God in your life. And if you're not saved, would you call out to God to save you? And would you contact me here at Community Baptist and let me know what God's doing in your life? This subject of God's judgment is a very difficult and a large subject that goes throughout the Bible. And so this evening at 6 o'clock, I'm going to be sharing with you some quotes from Americans of previous generations who were going through times of, na uh, of national and natural disaster here in America. And the quotes will show them talking to God and talking about God. And we can glean how they, we can learn how they, they reacted to the disasters in their lifetime. And I think that's insightful to see how uh, people of other generations have viewed the hand of God in the natural disasters in their lives. And so that will be at 6 o'clock this evening. And then through the week, I'm going to be bringing some uh, daily devotions to you. And those daily devotions are going to come from the books of Lamentations and Revelation. We're going to look at uh, when, uh, when 
your country totally collapses. And we'll see that from the book of Lamentations. And then the subject, Heaven's Reaction to Earth's Destruction. And that will come from the book of Revelation. Just some devotional thoughts uh, about these subjects of judgment and, and the implications into our lives and our lifestyles and, uh, and how God deals with all of this. And so we'll be looking at that in our devotions this week. You'll find them on the church's uh, Facebook page uh, throughout the week. Uh, right after we close this session, uh, we'll be starting up another session from the home of Jonathan and Ann Simpson. Uh, we'll be joining them. They'll be singing some songs of the faith, and we'll have the opportunity to enjoy some gospel singing with the Simpson family. Uh, and they're taking um, requests, so you'll be able to uh, type in your request, and, and as many as they can, they will play and sing uh, the request that you have. So uh, join me over at the Simpsons home and let's uh, let's go have a time of singing. Thank you for joining us for part of a Sunday service at Community Baptist Church. I hope to meet you soon. May God impress His love upon your heart this week. Yes,